0: a financial transformation consultancy, as she interviews key experts to give you real-world advice and guidance on how to transform your processes, people, and data. Welcome to CFO 4.0, the future of finance. So hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of CFO 4.0. I'm very excited to say that we have Anna's Leo Lindbergh from a partner of the Business Partnering Institute joining us today. And we're gonna talk about everything to do with finance business partnering. So welcome, Anis, it's wonderful to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Hannah. thanks for inviting me on. I'm excited to talk to you today and just uh, share my thoughts and uh, impressions about uh, what's happening in the market today and uh, where do we see the future of, of finance going.
0: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Anis. How did you end up doing the job that you're doing today?
1: Yeah, so I've been 13 years with global transport and logistics company Merck in the past. That's also where I started my career as a financial controller, you know, business controller, finance manager, and, and, and so on. And then I ended up in various business partnering roles, either being a business partner myself, doing organizational design for how business partners should work or training business partners and training programs or, you know, so really all about business partnering. And what I found along that journey is that no one was really talking about this, you know, except consulting companies that wanted to sell stuff. So I thought, you know, why not just share my story and what I do? So I started to write about it in articles and then blogging on LinkedIn later on. And of course, now this LinkedIn, LinkedIn uh, blogging empire has expanded to 500 plus blog posts about business partnering and other things. And uh I think all this just came together in, uh, in, in forming the Business Partner Institute where we saw uh, an opportunity to help finance professionals all over the world unlock their own potential through business partner. And so we founded that company three years ago and now three years later, I mean, it's a, it's a thriving business and we see so many senior finance leaders out there willing to invest in their finance teams, especially in the people, not just the systems and processes which we're used to seeing. And it's just uh, such an exciting time to be a part of. and We just love helping these finance professionals crack it on with business partnering.
0: Yeah, because it's an exciting piece, isn't it? I talk a lot with, um, with our customers about, you know, why did you get into finance in the first place? And let's be honest, it wasn't to type numbers into spreadsheets and to, you know, to, to do the data entry. They were excited about the impact that finance can have. So what does good finance business partnering look like?
1: So so good finance business partnering, it's all about creating an impact, changing decision and ensuring we have better execution. Of course, to get to that point, you need to have insights. So information that your stakeholders don't know about, but can help them make better decisions. And you need to have influence, right? So buying an acceptance for the messages that you bring along. If you have insights and influence, you will have impact and your company will be making better decisions and hopefully creating more shareholder value creation or whatever value definition that you're, that you're looking to. The challenge, of course, has often been that as finance professionals, we have great insights because we master the numbers and we have digged into everything, but we're not able to communicate it and get it out there. So our insights fall flat and we don't have the impact that we wanted to. So I think that's, you know, that, that's really the key for business partnering. And that's also what we focus so much on is elevating that influence of finance professionals so they have impact with all the great insights.
0: And I love that term influence. So for our listeners out there, what does influence mean in this context?
1: Yeah, so, so influence sort of has three sub-components. Uh, sub the first is your ability to build relationships with the stakeholders that, that you work with. And you know something that, let's say, salespeople, for instance, do really, really well. right? So they will build relationships with their potential clients and their clients to help them you know, help understand what challenges do they have and how can they, with their products and services, Overcome, help overcome those challenges. And we need to do the same thing as business partners. Understand what are the key priorities of our stakeholders and what can we do to help them. That's how we build solid relationship. Number two, business acumen, our understanding about the business. Right? Do we actually leave that finance cubicle and go out there in the real world and experience how business is done? Can we translate the financial language into business language that they understand, understand the numbers? I think those are some key uh, critical elements. And the last bit is communication. Can you actually communicate the messages clearly? And can you show empathy for the receiver? Because it's very important to understand as a business partner, you're not there to look good yourself. You're there to help others succeed. And that is really, really key to communicate. Because too often we just come in there and say, you're behind Hit them in the head, come up with a plan to improve, and then we leave again. Right? But that's not good partnering. Good partnering is when we help them come up with that plan and help them follow through to get the results that you want.
0: And that's a real shift, isn't it, from the traditional finance role. Um it's it's not something that necessarily they cover in you know, in the early stages of your accounting career. So, so what sort of challenges can those that are new to a finance business role actually experience? And how do we get them to a point where they can have those great communication skills while still having all of that knowledge?
1: Yeah, so, so I think, uh, you know, most finance people didn't go into finance because they want to be salespeople. And now they somehow need to be salespeople, right? Build those relationships. And it's, it's hard, right? It is hard. I think we have to, uh, to accept that. Because if you don't accept it's hard, we're not going to have serious efforts to actually help these young or even senior professionals become good business partners. So I think that's step number one, accept that it's hard. But it's not, it's not complex. It's actually quite simple. So you can start being a business partner by booking a meeting with your stakeholder, a coffee, virtual coffee, lunch, whatever you want, whatever is appropriate, and then sit down with them and have them talk about their business. Everyone loves to talk about what they do. They'll tell you about their business. And uh, then you can sort of say, well, okay, what are the key priorities? Well, it's one, two, three. Okay, what can I do to help? Maybe they won't know, but then at least now you know what their priorities are, and then you can come up with some ways of helping them. That's in essence where business partner starts, and that is not complex at all, right? So it's about giving them those simple tools or approaches to build their confidence that they can do this. Because we have to be honest as well, when you're a business partner, you're typically partnering one, two, sometimes even three levels up in the organization. And if you are you know, not that experienced, that is definitely a frightening position to be in. So I would also never recommend someone that is first out of school and maybe just you know qualified that they go take a business partner role. I think they need to get some more basics covered first uh, before they can build a confidence to be a business partner. <laughs>
0: I think that's a really good shout in terms of the experience. And, and I know that obviously with the current wave of technology that's coming through, there's a lot of talk about what does the future of finance look like? And, and I guess there's a lot of uncertainty for those currently working in finance as to where do they go? So how as a, as a CFO, as a finance leader, do you know if somebody's right for that business partner role? What sort of attributes would you say make up an ideal finance business partner?
1: So I think the first thing is really just the curiosity to learn more about what's going on in the business, right? If you have that natural curiosity, I think you can build everything else on top. If you only prefer just to sit there with the numbers and do something in Excel, it's probably never going to change that into the business part. Maybe you want to go down you know, the analytics, data science kind of route, which is definitely also a valid career path. So that natural curiosity to understand what's going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll build the rest on. So look look for those people that I say, hey, I want to learn what's going on about, out there in the business. I want to put my, you know, analytical savviness to use out there, not just in here in my finance queue.
0: Absolutely. And what are the, the challenges that you see people facing when they know that that's a role that they want to go into, but... they're they're either not sure how to get there or, you know, what would you say to somebody that's looking to step into that business partner role? How would you suggest they approach their personal development? Of course, without, you know, speaking to you guys in terms of the business partner. No,
1: no, no, no. I mean, that's, uh, that's all good, right? I think the key thing is first for people to understand and realize what good business partnering is, right? Because it's not just sitting there crunching numbers and doing some monthly reporting, right? It's actually being out there with other people, business stakeholders, senior leaders, helping them make better decisions. So first ask yourself, is that something you really want? Or is it just because everyone else is saying business partnering is the new black, so we all need to become business partner? Right? I mean, you have to be honest with yourself because I can tell you, for most finance people, it's going to require a lot of energy. It's going to require a lot of stepping outside the comfort zone and learning a lot of new things that you don't get with your qualification. I'll tell you, it took me 10 years to become a good business partner. I'm hoping I can cut that room short for many people out there. But it took me 10 years because I was not comfortable. I didn't know how to do it. And you know, I didn't have any role models to look at and so on and so forth. So I had to figure it out for myself. And um, you know, many times, I could have done things much better if I had just dared to go out there but I had to ease myself into it. But after 10 years, I got it and I could be a good business partner in three weeks. So it's it, it takes a lot. I mean, and that we have to be uh, be realistic about.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like a bit of experience to uh, to, to help you develop the skills that you need. But what, if, so let's talk about the core competencies of a, of, a, of a good business partner. What do those sort of pillars look like in terms of development? Yeah, so
1: we have... Yeah, so we have four four pillars in general. If you look at our competence model, and of course that competence model builds on top of the you know professional toolbox that you get from university and your qualifications and so on. So it's it's something in addition, right? I think that's the starting point. But then you have you know analytical skills, analytics, problem solving, lean, or other you know continuous improvement frameworks. That's one, right? That's simply where we have our base and where we are kind of good. But still, problem solving is not just, oh, hey, someone throws a problem at you and you have the solution. No, it's actually spending a lot of time understanding the problem and having a structured approach to how do you actually solve it. But that's one. Number two is business skills. Do you understand the business model, business strategy, and do you have commercial acumen to the point that you understand how is money made in this company? Because if you don't, you cannot speak the language of your business stakeholders and you will continuously just be put down into this finance bucket which you want to break out of. So, business skills is number two. Number three is people skills, um, where we talk about um, we talk about uh, communication, influencing, and relationship building, right? So, all that you need to do to actually influence that stakeholder's environment. Typically, difficult for finance people to uh, to just do it. So, they need training, they need to learn, and they need to have role models that they can uh, see how it's done. And the last bit is leadership skills, not just for the leaders, also for yourself, because it's a change journey. So we're leading change, right? And it can be a two, three, in my case, 10 years journey to become a good business partner. And it needs a lot of self-management as well, right? Because how do you manage your time? How do you become personal effective so that you have time to business partnering? One of the key causes, excuses, call it what you want, that we hear about why we're not doing more or better business partnering, they say, we don't have time. Okay, we have to work with that. And it's part of the core competence set to create time for yourself. And the last bit, of course, is leading business partners. Because leading business partners is different from leading an accountant. Not to say anything bad about accountants, but their work, you can typically look at a checklist or a system or see, you know, is it green or is it yellow or is it red? And if it's green, probably they have done a good job. A business partner is so different. It's relationships, right? So you have to go out there and watch them in action together with the stakeholders. You know, how do they lead the meeting? What, how do they interact? What's the relationship with the stakeholder and so on? So on. only then can you give good feedback and be a great coach to your business partners. So it's a, it's a comprehensive competence model that we have built, uh, built on top of that. But we also feel you need all that to be a great business partner.
0: And it's so true because there is this, you know, this want and this um, this feeling within a business to shift to this new model of business partnering, but very often they don't have the basics that you need in place to be able to shift to it. So good analytics, you know, good data, good processes so that your team can actually shift. And it's it's quite interesting, obviously, doing what I do in the technology side is actually spending a lot of time with them saying, look, this is the dream. This is where you could go but you need to have like the core in place and a bit like what you were saying around you, you, you can't be a good finance business partner without the core of finance itself. If you don't have that knowledge, then that's sort of a given. Um. So, so what are the other things within that um, within the, you know, within the organization or within the team can hamper good finance business partnering? What do CFOs need to make sure their team have in order to be good at their role?
1: So, so I think the very key thing change to make is changing from being finance centric and talking about what's important for finance to be customer centric and discussing what's important for our customers, i.e. You know, for finance, your business stakeholders, you know, what's important for sales, marketing, and so on. Right? Because you know, when we ask business partners that we train, we do that early on, we ask, okay, so are you finance centric or are you customer centric? Most of them, I think 75% say they are finance-centric. And as long as we're finance-centric, we will never be carrying and working with the, you know, the most important priorities of the business and the people that we're supposed to help. So I think this, this is the key shift to make. And if we you know, take even a further step back, there's this whole mindset change. Right? So I ran a poll uh, not so long ago, and I asked, you know, to create the future of finance, what is holding us back the most? Is it mindset, people, systems, or processes? And you know, I would have expected sort of like an even split or something like that, a bit all over the place. But you know what? Sixty percent, and I think we had like fifteen hundred rows. Sixty percent said mindset. So if the wow. mindset is what's holding us back, I mean, don't even talk to me about the future of Japan. We have to fix this mindset issue first because I can give you know you can give me new technology, I wouldn't know how to use it. I can train you. You wouldn't be comfortable going out and do it. I can give you a process, but you wouldn't understand how the things work. Right, so it, it starts with the mindset.
0: Absolutely, and mindset, I guess, is not just about the individual as well, isn't it? It's the mindset of the organisation about the value of finance, and also the CFOs themselves. You know how they perceive the the value of finance, business partnering. So what? So what do we do to change that mindset? How do we get to ourselves to a point where it's it, it's where it needs to be?
1: I mean, it's it's a journey, right? And I know you, you probably use this journey word quite quite a lot of times. It is, it is truly a journey. And, uh, you know, there's many uh, change frameworks and so on. And we really just have, a you know, we have three steps that we, we think we need to do. And that, you know, goes both for business partnering very specifically, but I think also broadly for any change that you want to create in the finance function. And the first is to establish this foundation, right? Why are we changing, aligning the leadership team having a strong ambition. And then if you need to, sometimes you need to strengthen the operating model as well. It could be you're strengthening the tech platform or something like that. But you have to have that foundation, otherwise we're going nowhere. Second bit is to engage your people to drive the change. Actually, you launch the ambition. And you know it's not just okay. Now we went back from the offside. Now we're launching it to the organization. It's of course a continuous change communication that you need to uh, need to do every week, every month, or basically weave into everything that you say. And then we empower people to action. That can be through training or giving them the new tools or whatever it might be. But it's our people that needs to do something different. At the end of any change you want to make, whether it's technology or process or whatever, there's a person doing something different. Right. So they need to be empowered to do the right thing. And then hopefully they do the right thing and we create some short term wins. So maybe we create some efficiency gains or, you know, we solve some complex business issues. So we create some technical value, but we create these short term wins to build momentum for the change that we want to do. And then this becomes like a viral change. Right. So maybe it starts in one place of the organization and spread out or one team in finance and spreads to the rest. But it's, you know, it has to keep spreading in the organization. And then, you know, to sustain the change, you have to make it stick, right? It's not a one-time initiative. It's a journey, multi-year effort to get this right. And I think it goes both for business partnering, technology, and cost improvements, right? It doesn't just happen in the summer, so to
0: no, and I think that's a really great point. So for anyone that is familiar with um, Cotter's theory of change, they've actually revised their, their theory in terms of it rather than being linear, which is how we used to think about transformation, that circular model in that it's an ever-expanding circle, which I think really illustrates the the, the process that finance business partnering goes through. That that shift and that, you know, you move one, you move the you move the needle in one area and that creates this, this space to then shift. So that, you know, that's a really great way to describe it.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about that viral change also for business partners, I think it's key to see it as, okay, the first chance I get to help is probably something very operational or day-to-day. But then I work on that, I help and I do some good work. Then I get part of like maybe like annual planning, their tactical initiatives and so on. And you do well on that. And then you get part of the five-year strategy planning and so on, right? So you have to work yourself a bit from the ground up. No one comes in as a new business partner and say, hey, I'm going to set the five-year direction for, for your area, right? It doesn't happen like that. So you have to work yourself through the motion and prove yourself every step of the way. Raise your game with Sage Intact. Bring down your close time by up to 79%. Use agile real-time reporting for instant visibility. Land an average ROI of 250%. With the heavyweight cloud software rated number one for customer satisfaction. Finance that packs a punch. Find out more from Itas, the UK Sage Intact Partner of the Year at
0: itassolutions.co.uk. No, I, I really love that um, that concept because there is there's this dream, isn't there, of a finance and his partner. People come in and think that they're gonna end up like you say starting with the five-year strategy plan (laughs) but yeah your, your your sales team might have something to say about that to be very fair so so what are the common mistakes that you see you know when you're seeing sort of people either new into role or perhaps aren't being that successful in their business partner role what are the common themes that you see around around that
1: i think the most common mistakes we make and i've made this mistake many times is that we don't follow through right we do the analysis and then we send the email. We don't follow up on what happened, what's happening, or we were in the meeting discussing something, and maybe an action was taken, but we don't follow up on the action. Right, so we don't follow through, and uh, that's that's a shame, right? Because we've probably done some good work, but we're not we're not following it through. Maybe you think, okay, now I've done my work, so I'll, I'll let the business take care of uh, take care of the, uh, the business. Uh, or, yeah, maybe it's just not my place to uh, to see where this all goes, right? But we have to follow through. Business partnering is an end-to-end activity. It doesn't stop with sending the email or making the recommendation. But you have to follow through on the actions that we take to see do we get the results, the outcomes that we want. Yes, great. You can push for more. And if no, you have to figure out why so we can do something different. So I think that's the number one mistake we make. We don't follow through. And there could be many reasons for that. Or we just don't follow through.
0: Yeah, no, and there's a great, there's a great piece, I guess, alongside that follow through. Like you say, it's understanding what stopped that change from happening, I guess, and communicating that back up the rank. Because there is, we as consultants, we do it a lot. Is you have to subtly influence change, even if you aren't able to lead it within that team.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and, and business partnering is by all means influencing without authority, right? But a good business partner is also a great consultant, is also a great salesperson. It's a great lot of things, right? You know, for me, for instance, now, you know, I was a business partner for 10 years. At the end, I was a good one. Um, and then I went to the entrepreneurial array and I had said to myself, hmm, you know, the selling bit, how how am I going to do that? Because, you know, I've never sold a thing, right? And uh, I found that it's, you know, it's all about building relationships, just like business partnering. So in that sense, it's it's, it's kind of easy if you can build great relationships, then people will buy from you whenever they need you. It's pretty simple. And uh, if you can do that in business and uh, as a business partner, they will come to you when they have important decisions and consult you.
0: And I guess that's the point, isn't it? You know you're doing well as a business partner when you're actually being asked to be involved in decisions and conversations. If you're not, there's probably something not quite working as it should.
1: Absolutely. I mean as a benchmark for yourself, you can ask yourself two questions. One question, how many decisions were a part of in the past month, maybe week, depending on the business cycle. If you can name them and tally them and talk about what you did to be a part of it and so on, you're probably well under your way. But then ask the second question and say, how many important decisions were made without me being there in the past month, right? And until the, the balance tips towards you being a part of it, Let's say eighty to ninety percent of the time, there's a lot of operational decisions gets made all the time. You don't need to be in anything. Then you still have some way to go. So I think these two key questions are still a great indicator of are you doing a good business partner today, but you still have some way to go?
0: And I love that as a way of sort of self assessment of your, you know, your skills as being a partner because that must be a critical element of being a good business partner is being able to self self-reflect and understand sort of where you could improve as well
1: no absolutely and of course i've done this a lot but i also have to say and it's not just promote to promote training of business partnering as such but i didn't get any specific training in business partnering until you know six seven years after i took up my first business partner-like role and uh, getting that training it helped me shape a completely different picture of the what I need to do to be a business partner. And then I just had to go and, you know, keep reinforcing those things to myself, reflect on how can I be better. And then when I got another chance to really be a business partner, it just worked. Right? So, you know, we can do a lot of reflections ourselves and we should. It's part of that self-leadership. But, you know, we also need some outside input to actually get these simple tools and models to actually help us and build the confidence.
0: Absolutely. So. Let's, let's flip onto that side then. So how does a CFO assess the impact because of their business partnering team? Because obviously, like you said, it's not like general accounting. It's not just that the numbers match or the reports are right. There's, there's so many subtleties into it. So how can a CFO understand on an individual basis which, which, which business partners are doing well?
1: So if we talk about measuring good business partnering, we have sort of three points to, to look at. The first is, is the business area that the business partner support meeting or being their targets. Are right? they delivering the results that we want? That's number one. Because at the end of the day, you know, we cannot be successful on our own Right, We have to business. The business needs to be successful for us to, to have any chance of, of saying business partner is successful. That's number one. Number two is customer feedback. Do we actually ask our uh, customers or business stakeholders if they're happy with the support they're getting from us? If yes, if they're willing to strongly recommend us to all the business stakeholders, it's very likely that we have been part of creating those results. Number three, though, is it's possible that they carry great results and they have with our service, but all we do is just deliver reports and numbers. Right? We're not doing real business partnering. So we have to do the third element where we can we call it like building a value log, but really what it is, is that we can describe and articulate what is it that you did in certain key initiatives to help create this value. Were you the, the secretary at the back that took the notes or were you the facilitator standing up there uh, in front of the screen and trying to get everyone to work together and brainstorm and get the ideas and all this stuff, right? Because it's two completely different roles. One is a business partner, one is not. And uh, we need to ensure we can describe that you know business partner and what it is that we do. And if you have all those three things, you can, of course, add it up as well. You probably get a very thick and dense value log of uh, millions of, uh, of pounds uh, of, of impact. But, you know, that's what a CFO should be looking at. Do we create business results? Do we have business stakeholders? And can my team articulate what they're doing to be good business owners?
0: And I love that because that, that's that sense, isn't it, of finance almost being... Uh, a business within a business, so providing, like you say, value, and you know, do the customers have you got return customers? Have you got customer attention? You know, great customer service, all those those things, and have you helped your your customers? achieve their ROI and deliver on their project so that's that's a great concept I guess to think about it so so how do you measure this what kind of targets would you suggest if you speak to a CFO how would you suggest that they they target incentivize and measure that performance like what sort of numbers and you know figures could you put around it
1: right so so if I look at my previous role right I had uh, I had at least the the, the the first and the second of the, the three I just mentioned right so I had 40 percent of my targets were based on the business results delivered, right? So I was tied directly into the success of my stakeholders at 40%. Another 40% was customer feedback. So we send out a, a, a customer satisfaction survey twice a year and we ask, you know, for a net promoter score, right? One to 10 would recommend me as a business partner to someone else, right? And that feedback, you know, you get a, you get an upper there, right? Minus 100 to a plus 100. And, uh, that was 40% that customer feedback. And then the last 20%, you can put that into the value log or you can put it into a personal project. So for me, was to train business partners. But you can have that value log and say, well, we know a company, uh, Danish pharma company, they had a value log target where they said, as a finance team, global finance team, we need to have a value log of 1 billion kroner. So that's like what, 130 million pounds or something like that. 1 billion kroner. And you know, having that value target on your back That pushes the right behavior as nothing else because everyone was talking about this. Every one-to-one, people were talking about this. Some even had like a million kroner on their back. So you, a million kroner, right? That pushes behavior. And people have, you know, I think they beat that target with 50% or more, right? So uh, maybe that's something for have also to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's putting a number on what you're doing, isn't it? Because that's the hardest thing is that some of this 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 business partner is so subtle and it's so um, influential rather than target and actually being able to go out and say, that is the value that I brought. That must be incredibly rewarding as well on the other side.
1: No, it is. It is. And, And to be honest, I mean, I had many days where, you know, I was always happy to go to work, so nothing around that. But I had many days where I actually went home from work even more energized than when I came to work because I had so many great dialogues and interactions and helping my stakeholders, you know, with meeting their priorities. That it just, it's just a sense of accomplishment when you get business partner, right? And I just want, you know, thousands of, you know, hundreds of thousands more professionals to feel this as well.
0: And I love, I have to say, Anna, I love your enthusiasm and your passion for the role of business partnering. So on this podcast, we obviously have CFOs and finance directors. And I know this because obviously I thank you all to those that are listening for for messaging me and all your comments and ideas for comments, um, for for feedback and topics. I love it all. But I've also had um, messages from those that are in slightly lower roles that are looking to step up. And so if you had to sort of describe why people should do finance business partnering, um, and why they should do it? How would you, having done it for 10 years, what what is the buzz that you get out of finance business partnering?
1: The, the buzz comes from the impact, right? Seeing that the numbers that you have worked on for years, finally they are getting meaning, finally they're having relevance, finally they're impacting decisions and they're telling you, wow, can finance also do that? I mean, I'm getting the chills just sitting here talking about this right? because it's just an amazing feeling when when you have these business stakeholders who maybe you have known them for years, just in other roles, and you saw them as okay, these are really you know, tough people and they really know their stuff. And know how can I ever help this person? And then suddenly they're they're reading back to you and say, "Wow, that's really great. The finance can do this. Let's have some more of this, right?" And then you get involved in more and more things, and maybe you get to that five year strategic plan level. But it's just uh, it's just an amazing feeling when you get that positive vibe and bust back from the business because we've not been used to that right and um, many have maybe never experienced it before so it's a it's a really great feeling when you succeed with it
0: i know and one of the conversations I, I love having with with customers is where once we put this technology in what does that mean for you where do you want to go and that that sign of that shift of finance rather than being a blocker or a barrier actually being an enabler and driving things forward. For me that's the exciting bit of finance. That's the bit that like you say, you know, can be so impactful within an organization.
1: Yeah, and I think it is really important that we create excitement about these, you know, roles of the future, you know, whether it's then, you know, business partnering or data science or something like that. But we have to create that excitement, right? Because there's so much, you know, so many tools and technology coming in that, you know, and, and the development is going quite fast. I saw this uh, Accenture CFO Now report that they published where they said, you know, from 2018 to 2020 or 2021, they said, you know, transactional finance processes had increased in automation rate from 38 to 60%. That's amazing. That's a huge shift, right? Because we've been working on this for 10, 15 years, 20 years, maybe even, and suddenly in a few years... A massive shift, so it must be happening now. And I'm sure, Hannah. You can probably attest to this even more than me. But it, it must be happening now, right? So we must create excitement about what comes on the other side of now that you know technology enablement that we're seeing these years. So people are saying, "Well, you know, okay, I, I can see my old job <coughs> going away, but I'm really excited about it because now I get to do business partnering or you know really deep dive analytics." And and we should be excited about this because otherwise, you know, the alternative is not so uh, so interesting, of course.
0: No, absolutely, and weirdly enough, I actually, I actually had the Accenture guys come on the podcast to talk about the report. And what was so exciting was the pace of change is accelerating. And actually, what's really interesting is COVID has made it grow faster. So that shift is, you know, where people are saying in the next three years we're going to do this. Actually, it's happening now. Um And there, you know, if it's about getting ahead of the curve, I think for a lot of Finance people is actually realizing that that stuff that you thought was sci fi and, um, you know, was the piece of the future, like general ledgers that reconcile themselves. That's a thing now, right? (laughs) That is a thing. Yeah. So reports that tell you where you've posted something in the wrong place rather than you having to look for all of those things are happening and are coming commonplace, which I think is the next step in technology. So actually, it's people getting, like you say, that heads around that shift and getting excited because it is a shift and it is scary, I guess, for those, you know, coming into it with the lack of experience. But it's also, it can make, it could be so much more rewarding than typing, you know, invoices into a purchase system. Exactly. There's got to be a better time, you know, exactly. better things to spend your time on than that.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, we, we've been talking about out of the possible for many years, right? But we have to shift mm-hmm. and say, you know, anything is possible. So how are you going to do it? That that, that, that's really the simple concept, right? Because the tech is there. It's just about you actually making use of it in your business.
0: Absolutely. And clearing the space and clearing the clutter so that you can spend time on the important things and adding value, like business partnering. So... Um so, um so for those that are going through that shift at the moment and are starting to to make that shift into building out that finance business partner model, um, what are your top tips for going away and getting started?
1: So I think, you know, of course, depending on where you are on the journey, if you're in the beginning stages, start small and build those short-term wins, right? Because if you want to start big, it's going to take years and the organization is going to hear about it that in three years, something is coming and they're going to hear about it next year and next year again, that in two years, something is coming because probably public gets delayed and whatnot, and it doesn't excite anyone. Actually, it scares maybe more than it helps and it frustrates them, right? Because they need the help now. So start small with something where you can prove the, the effectiveness right away and then build from there, right? And then get people involved in it. Don't just have be like an initiative on the side where someone in the project team, together with IT, is going to enable something. No, make everyone a part of it, right? Because there are so many simple tools that you can basically just you know, download a tool off the internet and then you can have that do your forecasting in six months' time and then just doing it better than the 200 people around the world would do it, right? It's possible to get people involved, get them excited and say, well, it's not just a big tech initiative. It's you and me doing these small improvements so that we can free up the time to actually do business planning.
0: I love that so um so well thank you Anna. I literally think we could sit here and talk business partnering for a good couple of hours but um as as much as I think our listeners would love us to I want to say a massive thank you for you know for coming on the show and talking about it and are there you know are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with the team and how if anyone wants to learn more about the business partner institute how do they find you what's the best way to speak to you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm of course always available on LinkedIn, right? That's where I do most of uh, my work, and they can subscribe to my two newsletters, which I think 130,000 people has done so uh, by now, right? So it's it's the momentum is building. The future of finance is it's exciting. It's not scary. It's exciting, and I really want people to to feel that. And, and you said yourself, and you can also see and hear and feel that. For me, that I'm excited about this, and I want everyone else to be excited about it. And I will. Well, I'll do what I can to help you get there. and if you want to know more about the business partnering piece, you know free we'll feature reach out to me time.
0: Absolutely. and for anyone that's listening, please do um, i'm I'm a massive Anna's fan. I've been following him for a while now, so I will pop links to his LinkedIn um, and the business partnering Institute into the the show notes. so please do do check it out. some great content coming up there. So thank you so much, Anas. It's been lovely to have you on the show and yeah, thank you for all your tips and advice.
1: Thanks for having me, Hannah. It was a pleasure.